you're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's something to think about. It's not just about sports. It's about getting it right, and there's a lesson for everybody. This week, Major League Baseball officially recognized the Negro Leagues as a major league. This is a big deal. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for making American Viewpoints part of your weekend. That means, yes, the record books will be rewritten But like I said, this isn't just about baseball. It is much bigger than that. Right after Major League Baseball's announcement, I caught up with my good friend Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Bob, first of all, thanks for the time, because I know you probably have every national media source breathing down your neck right now, so I really appreciate the time you're giving to us today. <laughs> no, Mike, man, my pleasure. Happy to join you. It's good to connect again, and it's a wonderful opportunity for us to celebrate the history and heritage of our game. So what is it Major League Baseball is going to roll into the big league statistics and record books? Well, you know, they've, they work with a group who have done a noble task of trying to uncover this information, which has sadly been lost to time. You know, it wasn't that they weren't kept. They just were lost to time. And if they weren't playing in towns that had black press, the Negro Leagues were virtually ignored. But as great a job as they've done, I can tell you now, the numbers probably are still not complete. You know, and so what you'll likely see is that Josh Gibson's home run totals won't be as significant uh, as always kind of accounted for. But then on the other side of the equation, his 1943 season where he hit an astounding 441 will be recorded as perhaps the greatest single season batting average in baseball history. And really for me, the stats are what help bring it into context. It's not the thing that I focus on. You know, I focus on the acknowledgement and the recognition. And, and I say that from the standpoint that for someone who is close to this as I am, having known so many Negro League players and how proud they were of what they had done, they knew how good they were and they knew how good their league was. And so they never sought validation from Major League Baseball, but for baseball to acknowledge that they were wrong. So for Major League Baseball to come back, you know, now and say, we made a mistake and we want to set the record straight and acknowledge this league and what this league represented both on and off the field is historically significant. And it will change the record books to some degree. As you well know, there are so many folks who not only didn't know that a Negro Leagues existed, but certainly had no idea that they existed with the magnitude in which they did operate in this country. And this is one of the great chapters in American history. And I know sometimes people think that this is, you know, kind of a sorrowful story because it's against the backdrop of American segregation. These athletes never cried about the social adversity. 
They just went out and did something about it. You won't let me play with you. I create my own. And, and it impacted Major League Baseball in ways that none of those other leagues that had been recognized came even remotely close to. Keep in mind, the Negro Leagues were helping generate revenue for the Major Leagues because they were renting their ballparks, filling mm-hmm. up their ballparks, and the Major League teams were getting a percentage of the gate and likely all of the concession. And then after integration, this pipeline of great talent from this league that was deemed minor would go into your league and literally change the way the game was played. Bob, let me ask you, because you mentioned uh, that the Negro League players didn't need validation. They knew they were just as good as the Major League players. When you look back at a lot of the conversations of some of the books, a lot of the Major League players at that time, they knew full well the Negro League players were equal competitors. (laughs) Yes, they knew, Mike, because they had competed with with and against one another, particularly in Latin America for winter ball. That is why Ted Williams, the great Ted Williams, upon his own induction ceremony in 1966, made what I still say was a tremendously bold statement when he stood there as he was being inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame and he advocated on behalf of Negro League players. He says, I hope one day the likes of Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson will be voted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame as symbols of those great black stars who aren't there because they had never been given an opportunity. Five years later, Satchel goes into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It doesn't happen without Ted Williams. And Ted Williams knew that they could play. He had competed with and against them. And what it also tells me, Mike, is that the superstar major leaguer was never concerned about integration. It was the average major leaguer that was concerned about integration because if you allow all this black and Hispanic talent in, I might lose my job. (laughs) That was the prevailing fear. Fear had as much to do with keeping them out of the major leagues as the social conditions of our time. What's the bigger significance, do you think, culturally to the country at this point with Major League Baseball making this decision? Because it's not just about baseball. Oh, it's absolutely not about baseball, and and neither are the Negro Leagues. You could never reduce the Negro Leagues to being just about baseball. It is so much more profound than just the game of baseball. But, you know, this spans across a lot of areas, and and I do think that the timing was well-intended. You know, given the fact that this country has seen and experienced so much social unrest and this being the 100th anniversary of the birth of the Negro Leagues formed here in Kansas City. And so the timing, I don't think, could have been any better. And it's a very fitting way for us to cap off this 100th anniversary year celebration and then to move into 2021 like the rest of us with tremendous optimism, number one, that we'll get out of this public health scare. But I do think baseball was sending a message. You know, you think back, baseball has always been at the forefront of social change in this country. So when Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier in 1947, that in essence jettisoned the civil rights movement in this country. Because, you know, you think back, that is well before those more noted civil rights occurrences. So this is before Brown versus the Board of Education. This is before Rosa Parks' refusal to move to the back of the bus. As my dear friend, the late great Buck O'Neill would so eloquently say, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was only a sophomore at Morehouse College when Robinson signed that contract to play in the Dodgers organization. President Truman, as you may recall, 
would not integrate the armed forces until a year after Jackie. So for all intensive purposes, this is what started the ball of social progress rolling in our country, baseball. And so while baseball had been vilified for not allowing blacks to play, when it opened its door, our country followed suit. It speaks to the reverence that baseball held and still to a great degree holds in our society. So I think it was fitting that baseball would make this kind of decision as part of the healing process. And one of the great things about that, Bob, is that it's a meritocracy. If Jackie Robinson couldn't play, he, one, wasn't going to make it, and two, he wouldn't have lasted because of the, at the end of the day, they want to win baseball games, and there's no, uh, there's no uh, I guess, quota for what your team looks like. They just need to be able to throw, catch, and uh, run, and uh, if they couldn't play, they couldn't play. So this showed a meritocracy that, uh, that everybody gets to compete here. Well, no, and, and again – there was beginning to be this groundswell anyway, because there were those who were watching what was happening in the Negro Leagues. And these were white fans who were now going to watch Negro League games, and they're starting to question, why in the world are these guys not in the major leagues when they're as good or better than half the guys playing in the major leagues? And really, that is the catalyst that gave Branch Rickey the wherewithal to make this bold move and go after Jackie Robinson, taking him away from the Kansas City Monarchs. You know, yeah, Jackie's here in Kansas City playing for the Monarchs in 1945. And Brad Ricky signs him away. And that literally changed the course of American history. What's the website? You're all over social media as well. Let's uh, get people in touch with you. If they can't travel right now, at least they can get in as soon as things get uh, normal again, Bob. Yeah, no, the website is nlbm.com. Please come up and see this museum. It is a special, special place. Yeah, definitely. Bob, great to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you so much. Man, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Once again, that's Bob Kendrick from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Just ahead, civil disobedience is making a comeback in America. Is that a righteous thing and a good thing, or is that selfish considering this pandemic? We'll talk about that question just ahead right here on American Viewpoints. I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger near you. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 